Hello everyone and welcome to the Albion Obsessed podcast. Tonight we're here to chat about another defeat yesterday evening to Tottenham Hotspurs. Before we dive in to our match analysis, let's see who we've got on the show today. Joe, how are you, my friend? No. Joe no. is no. No. I, I I feel you. I feel you, brother. Uh, Curtis, mate, good to see you. How are you? Doing groovy, thanks, friend. Yeah, I'm glad to be here as per usual. Amazing. I'm glad that we got a bit of groovy going on. And we also welcome back Cam, a.k.a. Groundhopper Cam. Cam, how are you, my friend? Hello. I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on again, lads. It's a pleasure. No, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on and your knowledge. And hopefully you won't be too depressed after this recording and you might want to come on again. Um, But let's jump straight into it because... We have fallen to our sixth consecutive defeat for the first time since 2006, a year that eventually saw us relegated. I just, I'm I'm worried that I'm just going to repeat myself, guys. So um, if I do, um, listeners, you'll have to forgive me, but it does feel like at the moment we're coming on to the show and we're just repeating the same things again and again and again. Um, So... Let's dive in, shall we? Spurs. Now, I know it's hard to look at these things retrospectively uh, because we all we, we already know what happened and the result. But before the game, Joe, did you believe, did you hope that up against a team like Spurs who are consistently inconsistent, did you think that we could break the, uh, our poor form that we were in? Yeah, I was a little bit worried after they got uh sorry, didn't get a result against United because they're going to be looking for a response. Um, and it is very Spurs like to go and beat United and lose to Brighton. Um, so yeah, I I expected a reaction from them. Obviously, they're always going to be up for it. Um, they're always going to fancy their chances against us. And in the run of form that we're in and the mentality shown from the players recently as you say Tom we're just going to be repeating ourselves again it just feels like Groundhog Day every time I go to the Amex I expect exactly the same thing and it's just just what happens um was it two uh, three two nil losses on the bounce at home we lost two nil to Villa two nil to Liverpool (laughs) played okay at St James's Park and then obviously still lost but (sighs) losing two nil again and you know you you look at Tottenham's results over this season um, and it is a team that we can we can go to them and, and give them a good game. Middlesbrough beat them in the cup, albeit the FA Cup, and we all know the magic of that competition. But yeah, I was just disappointed that we didn't see uh, any any sort of fight from the players again. Um, I I think there were moments where we were a little bit better, and I can certainly see us slowly, slowly, slowly improving. Um, just before we recorded. Curtis said said about the break and how welcome that's going to be uh, for the players and, and Graham. Um, so, yeah, as I say, we're just going to be repeating ourselves um, because nothing changes. Unfortunately not. Now, uh, Cam, uh, myself, Joe, Curtis, we've all said the same. You know, we've been repeating ourselves for weeks now about this poor run of form. But uh, going into the Spurs game, what, what what were your feelings about our current run of form? Were you were you sort of hopeful that we could, as I say, break that run of form, or did you just expect another disappointing evening? I guess kind of a bit of both. It's like the old saying: "It's the hope that kills you," isn't it? Like I was hoping we'd get something, but. You know, Spurs are a top six side. I know, as Joe mentioned, they are, and they're not, they're not that great. Like, they haven't been in good form recently. So I thought maybe we could sneak a draw, and I would have quite happily have taken that. Like, if, we, if it was nil-nil yesterday, I would have been really happy. But, yeah, a part of me thinks, just thought, we were probably just going to get on the end of the loss again. And a bit, unfortunately, we were. And, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just not a good place at the moment it's not a good run of form at the moment for us it's, it's worrying it is worrying yeah it's very worrying and we will um, um come back to that in just a, a bit uh curtis um before we get into our general general match analysis uh thinking about the starting 11 last night uh were you surprised by any of the players starting i know that a lot of fans have again been calling for basuma to be dropped um in the last podcast, you mentioned Sanchez, uh, his iffy run of form as well. Were there any surprises in the starting eleven for you, or was it as expected? 
Um, I mean, it's kind of like that saying we were talking about, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same results. Um, you know, you see the same players play every week who are subpar at best. Uh, and then they're like, just chuck them on, just, ch- just chuck them on and see what they do. Uh, and we're just expected just to, just to deal with that and accept that and everything. Um, and, you know, we were talking again before the pod about how, you know, I think uh, a keeper, a new keeper, you know, I bring in, uh, what was it, Rushworth, you said? Try him out for a, for a little bit or something, something just different. I would like to see different, you know? I mean, especially with, uh, we've got more injuries now, like Lalana's out and everything. I'd like to see uh, Kaiseido in there, maybe. Mwepu, even. I actually like, I know Aaron doesn't, but I like Mwepu. Um, but yeah, just someone different. Just once. Yeah, it's... um. As you say, it's it seems like that definition is no longer about insanity. It's about Brighton Hove Albion Football Club. Yes. And I think it, it stretches from the, the way we set up to the performances to our transfer windows. And we'll come on to that a bit later because I do want to talk about the transfer window um, and how important January was. Um, but just briefly touching upon that Carl Rushworth point, um, just generally speaking, um, as I live up in the black country, uh, not too far away from Warsaw at all. He's he's very well regarded up here. Um, the fans absolutely love him. Um, I said I was saying before the podcast. I remember when he was at Worthing, he made one of the best saves I think I've ever seen. Um, and maybe we'll drop a link to that uh, in in the description below because it is an absolute bloody worldy. Um, but yeah, Curtis, I think the general consensus is we need a bit of a shake up because too many players are resting on their laurels. Um, and I think within the first five minutes of the game last night, we saw that because in the first few minutes, there were so many individual errors. And Joe, watching those errors, Lewis Dunk's errant passing, Robert Sanchez just doing Robert Sanchez things. Did you just feel like with so many errors at the moment in the game, um, did you just feel like it was inevitable that we were going to concede? Yeah, it's just the age-old thing again we're going to be repeating ourselves because it's just happened for the last well since the second half um against united really uh maybe even since the fa cup tie against spurs because that was a shambolic performance until we at least gave it a, a good go in the second half and then we're undone by um individual errors yet again um it's it's the slow build-up around the back sanchez not having any options the players putting themselves in really poor positions. Um, Spurs can just readjust with ease because it takes us five minutes to pass it from Sanchez to dunk. Um, and then we're trying to play our free-flowing football, which we all know we can we can do very well. But we can't even string five passes together at the moment. Then Spurs get the ball, bang, counter-attack, chance. Um, so we're, we're always going to concede that way. Um, and... I, I I say it all the time. It's the, it's the mentality that they're, they're gone. All the players, their heads are on holiday. They they think that the sec the first half of the season, they think okay, yeah, we've done enough to be safe. Now we can just sort of take a step back and and play however we want to play. But I've said it before about Basuma. He he wants out. He's he's at his next club already, mentally, um, and it just looks to be rubbing off on the players. I'm not blaming it solely on Basuma and that situation. Uh, but we talk about the January transfer window and not bringing anyone in to shake things up or or freshen things. Of course, we make very good purchases for the future. We've got, obviously, Dennis Undav. We've got loads of loan players coming back next season who I'm really excited to see. But it's about the now. You sell Dan Byrne for £13 million and don't replace him. We all said, yes, he maybe is our most replaceable defender, but that doesn't mean anything if you don't replace him. We saw Ben White at the start of the season, um, who was off, arguably our third best centre-back last season, £50 million. Pounds. We don't reinvest it. Maybe we did a little bit with bringing in Mwepu, um, because obviously he cost over £10 million, I think, and uh, maybe a, another couple of signings here and there. But we're not investing for the now, and that's really, really damaged us um, over the January transfer window for sure. Yeah, so let's um, let's take a little bit of a, a digress and let's chat about that January transfer window because for me, the January transfer window was a, a key opportunity to solidify our position in the top ten. Now, 
I'm sure you remember before Christmas, we were on an 11 game uh, unwin. We hadn't won 11 games between Leicester at home and Brentford. We hadn't um, Brentford in December. We hadn't won a game. Um, we were on a really poor run of form, uh, but we still managed, um, you know, goodness knows how, we still managed to find ourselves in the top 10. And I, I think a lot of that, as I said before, is down to perhaps uh, Leicester and Everton under underperforming. Um, but it was a real key opportunity to uh, reinforce. Um, and we didn't do that. And as you say, Curtis, it's it's the it's the Brighton way, isn't it? You We saw in the summer, we bought players in and we loaned most of them out. Um it was just a really, really frustrating month, January, in terms of uh, in in terms of that. And when you sell your most informed defender, we've got to get our Dan Byrne reference in, you know, every episode these days. Um, You're welcome, we Aaron. You're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> we sold him. We didn't replace him, and now because Webster's perpetually injured, we can't play the system that fits our players better. Uh, Cam, I, which I know we, we like... sorry, just to cut in okay. quickly, which we tried to play that system yesterday. Um, a lot of people were saying it was a back four, but in the first half, I saw it more as a back three with um, Solly operating as a wing back and Kukurea on the other side. Um, but I, as good as Duffy was at the start of the season, he just seems to have lost it again. Um, and as Aaron has said, I think it was Aaron um, who said it, that he's showing his Celtic form now. Um, obviously, I, I wouldn't wish what happened on him at Celtic on him again at all and our fans aren't like that whatsoever um but yeah i just don't feel like he can operate in in that system um as well as we hope no agreed um so cam i know we're digressing but i'd love to um love to get your thoughts on that january transfer window do you feel it was a missed opportunity yeah i the dan burn situation was a bit of a, a strange one i think because as you guys say he was our informed defender he was arguably our best player at the time that we sold him I mean 13 million is, is a good bit of money for him so I, I get why we sold him but we should have replaced him and I think that has really been detrimental to our progress and it, it doesn't help that Webster as you say is injured as well at the moment I think if if Webster wasn't injured at the moment maybe it'd be slightly better maybe our form would be slightly better but yeah, I, I felt if we were going to sell him, we probably should have got someone in or maybe recalled someone out on loan, like Ostergaard maybe. I don't know. Someone like that, just to, just for a bit of cover. Uh, I think not doing that has really just been... Maybe, probably not the entire key to our loss in form, but I think it really has, you know, been a cause of it. Like, probably there's a number of them, but that is probably definitely one of them, I'd say. Yeah, it's um as you say, like we did recall Erstegard because he wasn't getting um game time at Stoke, and then we sent him off to um an Italian side. I uh, can't remember Genoa. who. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, Cam. Um, yes, yeah, so we sent him off again, but as you say, like I wonder also how much money the difference is between finishing in the top ten and say finishing, when I say let's say thirteenth or fourteenth. I wonder if we would have recouped some of that thirteen million if we had just kept him and just finished higher up the table but anyway we've um we digress um curtis just going really quickly back to the spurs game now and the early harry kane chance sanchez dilly dallies kane somehow one of the best strikers in the world and a great referee i might add um decides uh that he's gonna pick pocket sanchez and put the ball wide when you saw harry kane pick that ball up did you just think there we go one nil down four minutes in Yes, uh, I, I said, oh, again, really, again, this. Um, but, you know, thank the lucky stars that he missed it. Um, as I said, he, he's just picked up this habit recently of uh, a couple of mistakes here and there. But yeah, this he did make a couple of really necessary saves last night as well. Right? We have to address that because I don't want to be constantly like kicking him in the head, if you know what I mean. Uh, he's, you know... Like he did to Diaz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. On his day, he can be he can he can be a really good keeper, and he has made some incredibly good saves for us. You know, he saved us points. Um, but some of these errors are just becoming too often, often a thing. So, hmm. do you think that Curtis? It's similar to um, the Matty Ryan situation where there was no pressure on his position, and therefore it didn't really matter how poor his form was because he always knew that he had a place in the starting 11. 
Yeah, basically. I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't see them looking at Steele, for instance, and going, oh, oh yeah, he, he could be our our next number one or whatever. You know, like, I, I don't I don't feel that. So it'd be good to bring someone in to, to challenge him, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, couldn't agree more. Um, so the, the first half was pretty insepid. It was pretty dull, slow, slow, ponderous. I don't actually think we played. We didn't play that bad, I didn't think, really. It was pretty no. um, pretty mixed, you know, pretty matched, I thought. We played about the same tempo-wise. Yeah, I think there were, there were moments, wasn't it? I think that's the problem at the moment. There are moments. There are moments where we look decent, but we just can't seem to string together any consistency through a half or a game. Um, and there, I think in the middle part of the first half, we did probably look like the better team. Um, but Spurs did perhaps get a fortuitous goal, Joe. Now, um, I believe that happened. Would have that happened right in front of you in the north stand? What was your uh, What was your view on the Spurs goal and the deflection? Um, so, funny enough, here's a little breakaway story. So, when the Spurs game was originally meant to be played, that's when I was sat in the southwest corner. And um, so I get to the north stand yesterday, scan my ticket, and it goes red. The guy goes, you've got to go to the ticket office, mate. So there I go, trot away to the ticket office. Um, and they sort of um and are about what the hell's going on because my season ticket's showing Norwich. Um, they look on my history and they're like, well, you move seats. And I was like, yeah. Um, so I'd imagine I'm in the north stand for this one. No, uh, you've got to go back to your original seat for which you were originally in for the original Spurs date. So there I go off to the southwest corner and all my old friends are like, what are you doing back here? <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I, I wasn't in front of that goal. Um, but when it happens, I didn't really see the deflection. I just saw the ball sort of skew off and roll past Sanchez and thought, that's just bloody typical because we, as Curtis says, we were playing OK up to that point, I thought. Um, and the intensity was there. Um, and it dropped off as, as soon as they scored. You see Malpe running back to the centre circle to put the ball back, and he's giving it all the, come on, come on, we can, you know, get one back. And at what point I'm thinking, you know, we haven't scored in how long from open play, so I I respect his, um, what, what's the word? I respect his optimism. Um, but... Yeah, uh, I I didn't get an overly good view of it because of that story. So, hmm. would you like to know how long it's been since we scored an open play? No, oh, well, I'm going to tell you yeah, anyway. Just for just for the just for the laughs. Well, at that time when Mope was running back to the centre circle, it was just under nine hours. Nine hours of football. <laughs> Do not adjust your headsets, listeners and viewers. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> yes. Uh, Joe has left because he's just that cross. He's come back. Um, yeah, just under nine hours since we've scored a goal from open play. Nine hours of football, we have scored one goal from a set piece, which was against Newcastle. I've got some other stats, but I'm going to read them to you. I'm going to sprinkle the, the misery. Throughout yeah, the please. I, I can't handle them all at once. Just uh, you know, like Salt Bay, I'm going to sprinkle misery. <laughs> um, so let's get back to that then. So Spurs have scored. Um, and then I suppose the second, let's, so let's, let's walk on to the second half then, because the start of the second half, we looked good. I'm going to say it. We looked decent. Uh, I thought Solly looked good. I thought Gross much to Aaron's displeasure, I thought Gross looked good. In the um, chat, in the chat, everyone, Aaron said, "I'm quite worried here. Gross is having a good game." <laughs> exactly. Um, it's a bit of context for you, readers. Uh, the Albion obsessed uh, group chat last night. Uh, I said, uh, Aaron said that if uh, Pascal Gross scored a hat trick, he would do uh, the podcast. Uh, without any clothes on. Now, we are not a X-rated uh, podcast. That is not how we roll. We're a family-friendly podcast. Um, I'll so... be an obsessed after dark. <laughs> right? Yes. Um, yeah, you'll find us on uh, some adult websites in the future if that happens. Um, but yeah, Pascal Gross, I thought he looked decent. But the problem is, Curtis, if you commit players forward, you're going to get caught on the counter-attack. It's just, it's going to happen, especially against the better teams in the leagues. Uh, and Spurs, I suppose you could count them as one of them. Um, 
it's risk versus reward, high risk, high reward. But are we good enough? Are we good enough in attack to make that a viable option? Not at the moment. At this moment, I I see us run to the opponent the opponent's box, and I'm I just don't know. I can't see where the goal's coming from. Especially yesterday, like I love Mope, love him to pieces. I, I there's been plenty of times where I want to kiss him on the mouth, right? But yesterday, he he, he you could see him questioning himself every time he gets the ball, and and you just like just just shoot. Just try and shoot the ball, right? Because um, it was really annoying because the commentary also was really biased yesterday to, to like Tottenham. It was really annoying to listen to. Um, but they were saying like, oh, the thing is about Tottenham, you see them just throwing shots into the box. And because two of their, I think the first goal, no, no, the second goal wasn't like an amazing goal or anything. It was just like you just shot the ball and it went in. It wasn't like an amazing piece of skill. Uh, but then he was, I was like, yeah, you know, he's right. We don't just actually just try it anymore. You know, we seem so pensive and scared to try. It's annoying. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Cam, do you think um, at times Brighton are perhaps guilty of always looking for the perfect pass or the perfect shot? Um, do you think it's fair to say that they're just very reluctant to roll the dice t- at times? Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. Like as Curtis touched on, it kind of seems like, as you say, we're always looking for like one more pass, or yeah, just like when when you look at someone who says on the outside of the box and is in a perfect position to have a shot, but then they lay it off to someone who is not in such a good position, and it's another few passes before eventually gets in the box. It is frustrating. It's very very frustrating. Considering when you had the likes of Suma. McAllister we've seen this season with a really excellent goal from outside the box Everton it's it's it can be really really frustrating I think you're right we are almost trying to look for that perfect goal too much I think we just probably just need someone to actually just take a shot you know as soon as they see see the goal just take a shot I'm not talking about from the halfway line type thing even though that'd be great but you know outside of the box if they if you see the slight goal take it why not have a yeah, try well... and people will like that I think What's Steve Sidwell up to these days? Anyone? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you, that's literally how Spurs scored their first goal. They literally had a shot on had a shot on goal, and it took a deflection, and it went in. But those sorts of things don't happen if you don't shoot. Um, now we will come on to the second goal very brief, uh, very soon. But just before that, uh, a bit of controversy because we love a bit of controversy, don't we? Uh, Joe, was it a handball? Because the ball comes into the box. Duffy, I think, gets a header on it. And the Spurs player's got his arms up like that. Ball hits his hand. Is it a handball? Yes. Because the exact same thing happened to Basuma last weekend. And the penalty is given. Something we talk about all the time um, with Premier League officiating and VAR. It's the consistency of it. It's not there. If you give that against Basuma last weekend, which I'm a Brighton fan and I'm going to say that was a stonewall penalty... That surely has to be the case um, for for the Spurs one. And I don't even think VAR looked at it, to be honest. I think they just went with the referee's decision. Again, best pals being best pals. um, And just just went with it. And I was expecting a a purple screen to come up um, and say uh, VAR checking, but there was nothing. And uh, yeah, yes, it was a penalty. Why didn't VAR look at it and the consistency is a disgrace. Well, you know, Harry Kane, referee Harry Kane, isn't going to give a penalty against his own team, is he? And I'm just going to talk about Harry Kane because I really don't like. I really don't. I really don't like the way he is in the refs ear all the time. And maybe, maybe it's a bit of a I wish we could do that sort of thing. Maybe wish Lewis. All Dunk the big players do it. They like encroaching the referee, and they just. Try and talk. It pisses me off. It really annoys me. The thing that annoys me is when the referee stood there and he's saying, go away. He's got his arms up saying, let me talk to the captains or let me talk to the person who's made the offence. But they just still stand there. The respect for referees in the Premier League, even across all football, is just ridiculous. Yeah, it's one of the lessons that I think football could take from rugby. Uh, when you look at how refs are treated in rugby union, the refs get called sir. Only the captains are allowed to approach. Um, but also the referees aren't afraid to, you know, 
uh, send players to the sim bin. I know that that isn't there in football, but, you know, they're not afraid to wield the cards. And talking of cards, how Harry Kane got away with a yellow card in the first half for a pullback is absolutely beyond me. Absolute joke. The fact that he's England captain and Harry Kane shouldn't come into it. But I believe a Spurs player got booked in the second half for doing exactly the same thing. Yep. So if you're going to book, if you're going to book the Spurs player in the second half, you've got to book Harry Kane in the first. And he should have been booked in the second half as well the, towards the end of the game for simulation. It um, makes me very cross. Um, so the the handball uh, happens and it isn't reviewed. Um, there is a review after Spurs have put the ball in the net. And part of me optimistically thought, oh, maybe they're going to check the handball at the other end. Uh, but that they were checking for an offside. And let's talk about that offside, Curtis, because once again, for what feels like the umpteenth time. So I'm talking. Was that your teacher the, voice there, Tom? That was. I Yeah, I'm starting to use my teacher voice because Ooh. I'm getting really cross. <laughs> um, so we saw it against Villa. Mings over the top. To, uh, to Watkins. We saw it against Newcastle, Chris Wood through ball. We saw it against Liverpool, Liverpool ball over the top. Once again, we are completely carved open by a counter-attack. What, 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 what is Potter doing in coaching, Curtis? I mean, well, <laughs> you, you could literally copy and paste what I said last week. I mean, it's the same, it's the same thing again, like, Joe, can we do that? Can we just copy and paste past Curtis on that? Yeah. I mean, I might as well just go back, edit Liverpool to Spurs, and then we've pretty much got... Yeah, like re- re- really crudely, just like Tottenham Hotspur over every time we say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, like it's... Um, yeah, man, I, I I keep saying to myself, oh, you know, when, when Webster comes back, it'll be a lot better because he's, you know... Him and him and Dunk are a better pairing than than Duncan Duffy and all this, but I just I don't know, man. I worry about Webster. I said this at the beginning of the season, like he's been quite injury prone and it's fairly concerning. Um, but but when Webster's on on uh, on point, man, he's so good, and and I hope when he comes back, it brings back that strength to our to our defensive line because I remember when we were difficult to score against. Remember that? Remember that? Because I do. It's frustrating. Um, but yeah, that is what I want to say about it. Yeah, it's very frustrating. Um, Cam, I mean, I'm of the opinion that, um, and this, this is going to be my Tom's controversial opinion. Well, it might not even be that controversial. I think Adam Webster has proven himself to have perhaps be Brighton's one of Brighton's most important players this season. Um, do you agree with that statement, or do you think I'm absolutely mad? No, one hundred percent agree with that. Um... I think it's no coincidence that our downturn in form is with him being injured in all his days, along with the whole Dan Burn thing as well. But yeah, we've discussed that. Um, but before he he got injured, you could see just how well he was playing. Like he, him and Lewis Dunk, like out of our kind of centre backs, are probably the only two, particularly him, more than Lewis Dunk, that is not afraid to bring it out of defence and you know go on a nice meandering run forward and he's just a joy to watch when he's in his best form and the the Chelsea games he was outstanding oh yeah the Chelsea both Chelsea games particularly the one at home he was he was honestly outstanding and I think we are missing him a lot right now and I think he along with probably like obviously Dunks our captain so he's hugely important but I'd say he probably is our most important player right now 100% and it's yeah it's such a shame that he's injured and has had quite a lot of injuries this season it's frustrating really yeah very frustrating. There were obviously talks at, some, at one point about him making the England team, which I believe has been announced today. Um, so it's a real shame that he hasn't been able to string uh, games together uh, due to the injuries he's had throughout the season. And there we have it, guys. We've gone 2-0 down to a counter-attack and we just show no real sign of getting back into the game. We didn't have a single shot on target last night. A single shot. Um, Joe, does Graham Potter have a plan B? Uh, oh, it's difficult. I think, I think he does, but it's too similar to plan A. He tweaks the back line slightly. Like yesterday, as I say, I think we started with a back three with Solly and Kukurea as wing backs. Um, I, I then see a, a solid back four with Solly pushing forward. 
Um, we all know that Graham Potter, when things are going well, has a wonderful tactical mind. Um, he's got us many a point by changing things when we really needed that to be changed. Um, and that seems to have gone, whether that be because of the options that he doesn't have. Um, obviously, with the injuries, with losing players due to sales, um, not having um, the, the backing from the recruitment team. Um, he does have a plan B. It's just very hard to utilise when you're so limited. Um, and yesterday, uh, he, he tried to change things. Obviously, the 75th minute Lamptey comes on. Um, he slots him in at right back. And you're thinking, why are you doing that? If you keep Veltman on the pitch, put Veltman at right back, push Lamptey more forwards. What you know, what one thing we've been saying is that Lamptey cannot provide his creative or explosiveness um from right back. He thrives on being a wing back or a little bit further up the pitch. Um and at right back, he I don't think really he did much yesterday when he came on. He didn't have the time. He didn't have the freedom. And it's just like Kukurea as well. We've I don't know how he got player of the match yesterday, by the way. It was announced right at the end of the game that Kukurea got play, play, uh, sponsors player of the match. Um, all credit to him. He, he, he does try. But again, he's limited in the position that Graham Potter puts him in. Um, so many times we've seen this season, Kukurea gets past the ball by Lewis Dunk. Boom, straight down the wing. Cross into the box. There's Danny Welbeck there. There's Neil Morpé there to try and finish it. But now what we see is Kukurea gets the ball, looks around for five seconds, and then the ball gets passed back to Dunk. What I find surprising is in, in a Sky Sports interview, Lewis Dunk spoke about Kukurea and how amazing he is and how you can just pass the ball to him and he, he'll just run. He doesn't do that anymore. Is that down to a lack of confidence from him? Is that down to the tactics? I don't know. I think it's mostly down to the tactics um, because, he's, as I say, not given that freedom. Um, yeah, so I think there is a plan B, but he just can't utilise it. Yes, I don't think I've said it before. I don't think I see many game changes on the bench. Not at the moment. Um, we've got a lot of youth on there. It was, by the way, I just will point out, it was really nice to see Jeremy Sarmiento on the bench. Um, I was a bit surprised that he didn't feature, maybe because Potter believed at 2-0 down the game was was done. Um, and obviously the young lad's coming back from injury. But he's the kind of player that generally... But excites. then how's that for mentality if, if at 2-0 down, Gray and Potter's thinking, yep, yeah, game's done. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna roll the dice. I'm not gonna risk something. I at the some point yesterday, 80 minutes. I was thinking, I don't care if we lose three nil now. I don't care if we lose four nil. I just want to see us try. Two nil down, and we don't even look like we care that we're two nil down. Um, just tippy tappy around the back, still trying to play patient, free flowing football. Which, as I say, we can't string four or five passes together at the moment. Um, and and Gray and Potter sat there like. You know, I'll I'll bring Welbeck on, and then I'll put Lamptey at right back again, um, and and then I'll bring Jakob Moder on and and play him in exactly the same role as who I've substituted him for. I can't remember who he brought off to bring Moder on. Um, Basuma, I think it was. No, Basuma was taken Gross. off for Welbeck. Gross. So yeah, Pascal Gross. So yeah, I'll just put him in the Pascal Gross role. There's there's none none of this. Right, we're two nil down. Let's push some players forward. He brings on an extra striker, but we, we don't give service to the strikers at all. That's where I think Malpe is going wrong. So yesterday, when he does get the chance, he's thinking, what the hell do I do with this? Oh, my God, I've got a chance, finally. It's a confidence thing with strikers always. It's what they always talk about. Confidence, confidence, confidence. And there's none of it in the squad. No, you can tell through the players' body language. Uh, there's no there's no confidence in this team at this moment in time. Um, but you can't really blame them. Um, we're on a really terrible run of form. Um, and it just seems to be one of those things when things aren't going right for you. They're really not going right for you. That first goal was just, uh, you know, pure evidence of that. Um, a bit of a hard, well, a hard-hitting question, a bit of a mind-scratcher, I suppose, Curtis. Um as fans, we've been told about Tony Bloom's dream about being a top 10 football team. And this season, we've looked like a top 10 football team at times. 
But do you think we're being sold this top 10 dream and Graham Potter is being sold this top 10 dream, but without the top 10 investment to back it up? Um, no, I just believe that a lot of the fan base are delusional enough to believe that we deserve to be in ninth all season. Um, I think we have to start being realistic uh, and think we, we've got pretty lucky this season. You know, the Leicester, the Leicester game, you know, that was really lucky. Um, you know, scoring at like the 95th minute to get our draws, that's that's lucky, right? We've just been very, very lucky, right? And usually um, at this point of the season, uh, you know, usually in, uh, in the past, sorry, is what I'm trying to say, is we've not we just not done this well so so early on into the season we haven't had this many points and i i feel like maybe we, we've just got ahead of ourselves really quickly and i hear all these jokes about european football and stuff like that and i think people have started to believe it you know and it's like we're still we're still brighton you know we're still brighton have albion you've got to remember that like uh, and then like um we're surprised when liverpool beat us or we're surprised when Tottenham who are a really good side beat us um and then I hear all this you know I hear I know it's difficult but we have to try and just get behind the team you know and I know like people say you know there's not a lot to get behind yeah but you have to just do it yeah I know it's difficult but we have to try because if we're not pushing for them they're gonna, gonna not want to play for us you see what i mean and it's it just frustrates me it really really frustrates me but ultimately no i don't think they've sold us anything i think we have sold ourselves that dream i think fair comments curtis fair comments indeed and just touching on that point about getting behind the the, the team cam um there was a point last night where trossar went over to the north stand and he gave the arms he said you know come on give us something to work off um do you think that it's yeah, but on you know on the flip side, the team need to give the fans something to get behind. It's one of those uh, you know relationships, symbiotic relationships, where the team need the fans and the fans need the team. So, wh where do you stand on this sort of atmosphere debate? Um, I take your point definitely, and I, I probably do agree with that. Like, I do think the atmosphere at home needs to be better. But if you're not seeing you know good enough performances on the pitch, then you're not going to get that good atmosphere because people are just going to be deflated. And, you know, sometimes I, I know a lot of people at the moment probably feel quite, you know, deflated going to home games because we haven't won at home for, I think it's since Boxing Day. Am I right? Against, it was a Brentford game, I think. That yeah, was the last time you won. Yeah. Which is, you know, a long time in football. And like, even my mum has said it, she, she's season ticket holder. I don't think she's actually seen Brighton win at home this season. And she just, she keep we go to the game, she's like, I just want to see us win. And I know it's obviously not as easy as that, but yeah, I definitely think we need to be, be seeing, you know, a performance on the pitch from the players to really improve that atmosphere. I think there's only so much the fans can do. You know, we try, we try sing, but if you're just getting a subpar performance on the pitch, then it's, it's very difficult to get an atmosphere going. And I think it'd be like that in most clubs, to be honest. I think it's not just us with that problem. Talking of most clubs, and perhaps this is a bit unfair, um, and it's not clickbaity, but it's generally it's a general thing. I'm going to read out some stats now, and we're going to talk about the potential pressure that Graham Potter may be under. Not that we'd be privy to that, regardless. So, some these stats are not going to be uh, pleasant listening. So, talking of home games this season. We have only scored four goals from open play at home, and one of them was an own goal. Mope versus Watford, Trossard versus Brentford, Mope versus Brentford, and the Anderson own goal against Palace. In three seasons under Graham Potter, we have won a grand total of 12 out of 53 home games. It's also worth remembering that we went a calendar year without a victory at home. We haven't scored at home since January the 18th against Chelsea. And as I previously mentioned, we've, uh, we're on a six-game losing streak, something that hasn't happened to it since 2006. And we haven't scored from open play in nine hours in football. And no, believe... Tom, you're the worst sometimes. 
I know, I know, yeah. I know. But... Can I just can I take this one first, Tom, really quickly? Yeah. Um, Graham Potter in a few press conferences in a few post match um, interviews has told Brighton fans that they maybe need a history lesson on where this club's come from and what this club is and where we realistically are, as Curtis has pointed out, in in the Premier League pyramid, in the football pyramid, um, which I'm all for. I I have researched and looked at the the days before I was born of this football club. I've sat and t- spoken to my granddad. I've sat and spoken to my mum about their experiences going to Highbury in the FA Cup semi-final, going to Wembley twice. Um, I've done my history lesson. Maybe, just maybe, and I have utmost respect for Graham Potter, okay? But maybe he needs a history lesson. Exactly what you've just said. You've given us those stats. Maybe he needs to look at himself and think, why has that not been good enough? Maybe it's because of the recruitment. Maybe it's because of the player's mentality at home. Maybe we're a bit too comfortable. Um, I don't know. But yeah, he, he needs to also look at himself before he blames the fans for not having a history lesson on their football club. It's our football club, Graham. You manage us and we respect you. But look at yourself as well. Preach, brother. Preach. Now, I say these things not to piss people off, not to get people all angry and upset, but this is context. Context is incredibly important. It underpins why people are so frustrated, why there were a small selection of boos at the end of the game last night. Um, And it was why the fans booed um, at the end of Leeds. Um, And it's not pleasant to hear these stats. And I'm not calling for Potter out. I'm not. But what I suppose I am trying to do is just add context to the discussion, because a lot of times we've seen it before that a lot of Brian fans that when they criticize or critique or moan, which we all do. I mean, we come on this podcast every week and all we do is bloody moan. Um, And I love a good moan. I'm not going to lie. That's well within my wheelhouse. Um, But generally speaking, I find that a lot of people, you know, they're. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. A lot of people's critiques this season have been battered away. Oh, because we're in top 10. We're in the top 10. Oh, stop moaning. We're in the top 10. And it's like, we can't say that anymore. What's the new excuse for our really, really poor run of form, our poor goal scoring, our, you know, our evaporating good? Um, you know, before Christmas, we had a fantastic uh, defensive record. I think uh, we had only lost four games and we had one of the best defensive records outside of the top six. And all of that has just disappeared. I think I mentioned on the last pod, right, I would give anything for another 95-minute goal. I would give this finger, this finger, for a 95-minute goal in Norwich. I'm serious. Don't take my finger. But And that... I, I... that... How sad is that, that you're calling for a 95th minute equaliser? Do you know what I mean? Blood, I just miss the, shit, the shithousery. I miss it so much. And may- maybe that sounds very entitled of me. And, you know, I've just spoken about history. But you're right, Joe. You're right. Against Norwich. But, you know, uh, the, the, the issue that we've seen a lot over these last few seasons is that we can't beat the teams um, below us. Um, we, we've done that a little bit better this season, bar the Burnley game and bar the Villa game at that point they were below us um, and Newcastle game and, and yeah Newcastle <laughs> all right Tom all right all right all right all right all right <laughs> um but yeah I I just pray that the mentality changes over the next two and a half weeks and um you guys are coming to that Norwich game aren't you so uh hopefully we'll see a much better I'll performance be there. um than, than you saw against Villa so yeah we'll we'll see so Let's look ahead then. Let's um, look ahead to these next two weeks. Graham Potter has got the best part of two and a half weeks to get his side not only physically ready for Norwich, but also mentally and emotionally ready. And I think personally, that's the most important thing. Cam, what do you want to see the response as, you know, as we go against Norwich, a team that are, and I'd say this with all due respect, but on paper, you would expect Brighton and Hove Albion to get some sort of result from what do you what would you want Graham Potter to be doing over these next two and a half weeks to get his team ready for that game? I think we need to get some confidence back in the players as as it was touched upon earlier. We're just completely void of any confidence right now. It's 
we just don't look like we did at the start of the season. So I think I imagine the players will have some sort of rest, the ones that aren't going on international break, and maybe that will help, you know, a little bit of a break. But I'd like them to come back and, you know, I'd like Potter to also have a, a, a look at himself in a way and a look at the, how what is not working and really just try and knuckle down with the squad and, and figure that out. But I think getting our confidence back is a, is a big thing that needs to happen. How that happens, I have no idea. Um, but, yeah, we, we just we just look a shadow of the side that we were. And I can't exactly put my finger on what has gone wrong. I think it's probably a number of things. But, yeah, I, I think it just needs to be... A little bit of a, a talking to amongst themselves and just yeah, trying to figure it out and get some confidence back in this team. And yeah, hope we need a big performance against Norwich. We really do. Yeah, we do. Um, we need a big performance. I think there, sorry, Tom. I think there needs to be some kind of mass team building um, exercises going on over the next two weeks because maybe I, I bit... they can look for Sammy Seagull. Maybe, maybe that, maybe that's the problem, Tom. <laughs> we just um, capitulated ever yeah. since. Totally ever since he was furloughed and and then ultimately I sacked. I told or... you he went missing <laughs> when Burn went. So I reckon Burn was Sammy. That's all I'm saying. Did you ever see them in the same room? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I think there needs to be some major team building, uh, whether that be uh, a holiday away together, anywhere, or want to piss up together. Ig- well, maybe maybe not that. Um, Thought Park or something. Have, just have a good time. Yeah, exactly. Just have a good time together. There, there was a video Is of... Is Tarek Lampy tall enough to get on the rides at Thought Park? Not sure. Not he sure. could sit on Dunn's shoulders like that. <laughs> In a big trench coat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there, there was a video of training, um, I think, in the week building up to Spurs. And they were having, like, I don't know, some sort of foot tennis competition or they were running through some things with, with the ball on the cone and they looked like they were having a great time and we just don't see that team spirit on the pitch I feel like maybe I don't know the fans expectation gets on the back of them and the mentality drops within five minutes after the first groan of uh, a misplaced shot or a misplaced pass um, I think they just need to get out of their heads and realize that they are very, very good Premier League footballers. There, there is no doubt about that. We've seen some unbelievable performances from them. Um, players that don't want to be playing for the badge, players that don't want to be playing for the club, they need to be dropped to the reserves. They need to be far away from this squad. Graham should be saying, right, who wants to play for this this football club? Who want, Who doesn't want to play for that name on the back of their shirt? Even then, I, I said it on the last podcast, Basuma... If he wants that move away, he needs to start putting in some incredible performances because people will look at him and think, actually, nah, don't really want him. Um, so, yeah, something needs to happen to, to get their head straight and um, going again. But I'm not a, yeah. a football manager, so <laughs> who am I to say? Just to add to my point, I we need to try and get Webster fit as well during this next two weeks. I don't know how close he is to coming back, but if it's if it's if it's not far off, then I think that yeah, that Potter needs to be Potter has said that it's he's not far off, and apparently Lana's injury is only minor as well. So hopefully, have those two back soon would be would be good. That would that would be the dream. But I also remember being told Lamptey would be back in two weeks. A year later. I'm such a pessimist. I'm really sorry. <laughs> you can tell I've been watching Brighton since the 90s. Um, talking about fan expectation there, I just want to touch off on that briefly, Joe, because I do think at times us fans do get carried away. As you say, Curtis, you know, we do get carried away. We've seen some fantastic performances over the last six months, 18 months. We have seen Brighton beat Manchester City come back from 2-0 down against Liverpool at Anfield to, to get a draw. We know these lads can pull out fantastic performances. There was a reason that Brighton were being, you know, spoken about in the same sentence as Europe. There was a reason Potter was being linked to England, the England job. You know, there were reasons behind this. But as you say, Cam, we seem to have just, you know, fallen off a cliff almost. And we're a shadow of the team we were before before Christmas. And all that fight, all that desire has gone. And I really hope that for the final run-in of the season, the final 11 games or wherever it may be, I really hope 
that uh, Graham Potter can, you know, recapture that and get those lads believing in themselves again, because we know they can do it. We know Potter can do it. Um, and it's not outside the realms of possibility that we can still finish in the top 10. You know, we, we've we been a lot of doom and gloom on this podcast. And I know that I am a big part of that with all my stats. But the general thing is we can still make top 10. You know, it's not out of the realms of possibility. I think talk of relegation is nonsense. Um, I've said it before and I've done my research. So I can, I can say officially that we currently have uh, more points than it would have taken last season to be safe. Uh, we are two points away from the points total it would have been required in the last five seasons as well, going back to 2016, I believe. So we we don't I don't think relegation is a genuine possibility, um, but we can still get top ten. But things need to change, and that starts I'll with. Tell you, I'll tell you one thing, Tom. If we go, go and get relegated, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I am clipping the hell out of that. <laughs> you clip away, mate. The stats don't lie. You know, the stats the stats to, are like Jira's hips, mate. They don't lie. To quote those people on Twitter, like, oh, I really missed the championship. Yeah. No. No, no, zero comment for that. Also, I just want to touch on the atmosphere very quickly before we sort of look ahead uh, to, to Norwich, maybe. Um, I reckon... Out of the 30,000 they announced and the, the Spurs fans, there was probably, what, two and a half thousand of them. I reckon there was a, probably an additional 6,000 dotted around the Amex. 100%. I saw so many people rushing to the front to try and get a picture with Antonio Conte when he walked out the tunnel uh, before the game. I saw so many people holding up signs for Harry Kane to, to give him their shirt. Fair play to the club, though, on one thing that they got um, uh, a guy who was racially bullied, uh, teamed up with Spurs, invited into the game. After the game, he met Harry Kane. Um, one thing I will say about Harry Kane, away from the pitch, top man, honestly. He does so many things for, for his supporters. I always see him retweeting like kids' posters to him and, and stuff like that, which is amazing. Um, but in terms of the fans that are there in, in the Brighton home end meant to be supporting their local club. Cause I'm sure they're, they're not from too far away. Even walking out into the concourse after the game, they're showing the Arsenal Liverpool game, Liverpool score and people are bloody celebrating. Like what, what I, do, I just don't get it. I don't get how the, the all the club care about is bums on seats and, and money in their pockets. They don't care about the atmosphere. They don't care about the fans' experience. You could be sat next to a Manchester City fan, whatever. Um, you're up singing for your football club who you care passionately about, and they're looking at you like you're some kind of alien from uh, a planet far, far away. So, yeah, that's one thing I will say on on the atmosphere is because football is slowly, slowly dying, I feel. Yeah, I think um, there's been obviously a lot of the news at the moment about ownership um and it is unfortunately becoming just all about money we see games being moved uh inconvenience fans you look at the spurs game i think it was the fa cup game when it was moved to eight o'clock no trains yeah it's just uh it's all about the money all about the cash um but there will be some additional brighton fans who genuinely care about the team at the norwich game because me and curtis will be there in the north stand to cheer you on so we'll have a a lovely little albion obsessed day out again so let's look ahead to that norwich game because that for me is the turning point this is when we can get back out there and we can show what we're made of and we can start that march back to challenge for the top 10 um, so I'm going to come to each of you in turn. No pun intended, Solly. Start oh, that No? I, okay. I, yeah, I'll see myself out. Sorry. Bye, Joe. Um, <laughs> but also, I think Solly's been playing really well recently, so I'd like him to start against Norwich. Just going to put that out there. Uh, and also, I didn't get to share my controversial opinion last week, um, and I'll share it now. Solly March, better than Trossard. Don't at me. Um, so uh, On current form, 100%. Yes, at the moment, I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. That boy sent us to the Premier League. Don't don't hate on that boy. Anyway, Norwich. I'm going to come to each in turn and I'm going to ask you for your score predictions and your goal scorers, please. We'll start with you, Curtis. Curtis, second game at the Amex. They've got a win for you, mate. What's the score going to be? 
Okay, I predict there will be goals. Um, okay. I'm going to remain confident again because the past two podcasts have been like, yeah, you know, we, we have to get something eventually. We, yeah, we, we can do it. Uh, no, I, I think we're probably going to... Th- I feel like we'll win. I'm going to say 2-1. Um, mm, Sergeant for them, I feel. Or Pookie, one of those two. Um, and I think... Mm, I love how you're finding it harder to pick a Brighton goal scorer, but for Norwich, you were like, boom. <laughs> no, no, yeah, right. Um, I think uh, Dunk with a header. And I want to see Modder get a goal uh, eventually. So let's just say, I'm going to say Modder. But, you know, we have to we have to hope, you know. We just have to hope. It is the hope that kills you, Curtis. But we're going to win. I've got a feeling. Like Justin Timberlake. Cam. Score prediction, please. Oh, God. I was thinking the same as Curtis, to be honest, 2-1. I think it, it... I wouldn't be surprised if it's a pretty cagey affair, really, because they're still fighting for their lives down there, even though I, I think they're probably down, regardless of what, what happens to them. Anyway, um, I'd love to see Moda score. I would really love to see him get his first goal. So, yeah, I was thinking him and... Let's go for Trossard. Let's hope, let's hope for a little tross or goal. I don't know, but we can hope, as you say. Um, so hopefully we'll get a big performance and a big result as well. Yeah, that would be absolutely fantastic. Trossel may make me eat my words and I'll have to do my second apology video this season. Uh, Joe, what are you going for, my friend? Let's go for a very, very scrappy 1-0 win. And we will go with a solly March goal. Why not? I'll counteract Cam's Trossard goal with a Solly March goal to keep that debate going. Hailsham's own Roberto Carlos, don't you know? Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm going to go for a 2-0 win. Um, and I'm going to say Solly March. I don't know if you remember a few, I say a few seasons ago, a long time ago now in a pre-season game, Solly March scored an absolute bloody worldie against Norwich. Yeah, I'm gonna talk about. I was there, yeah. I was there. It was good. I, it, it was good. It was John John Ruddy in goal, and at the time he was like pretty decent. I'm not gonna lie. Um, and I think they just got promoted to the Premier League, did they? I believe um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and oh my god, what a delicious goal! It was on even Sky Sports News covered it, and it was a pre-season friendly for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, it was a fantastic goal. So I'm going to back him to do something similar uh, in April, and I'm also going to go for my boy. Neil Mopé um, to get his confidence back uh, back there. Because I think once Neil Mopé is back in the goals, I think we'll see, um, you know, the Neil Mopé of old, you know, buzzing around, um, causing, being a pain in the ass, um, which we love to see. So let's hope our predictions uh, come true because I don't think I could take a seventh defeat on the bounce. I just don't think I could do it. I'd have to go back even further in my stats. And uh, as much as I enjoy bringing you depressing stats, I'd rather not. Um, Back in the dark days of 1991, Brighton lost seven in a row. I don't think they were that dark (laughs) then. I think it was more late 90s, 96. And they were were that Yeah, you could be right. I'm going to get called a plastic now because I didn't get my date right. You don't even know that it was actually in 1996 that... uh, you weren't even at the Goldstone. Exactly. And if you weren't born at the Goldstone, were you even a fan? Um, keep your eyes peeled, listeners and watchers, to the Albion Obsessed website because we're going to have some articles go live for you over the international break. We're also going to be dropping some content once we've decided what that content will be. Um, but so keep also, your eyes peeled. keep an eye towards the end of the season. We are going to have an incredible end of the season quiz with lots of Tom's stats um, that he's reeled off. Um, And we might even get like, this is an idea that I've just had. I feel like we should get like the guests like Cam, Dan, like people like that all in like a group and just like, that sounds amazing. A massive fan quiz. Sounds good. You can tell me in that. (laughs) I'll have to host because you'll be like, who scored against Leicester? And I'll be like, was it, Matt Sparrow? So, yeah. Um, anyway, on that bombshell and that, uh, I think it was that, just, I'm going completely off key here. No, I think we signed Matt Sparrow on this day, like, 
13 years ago. On this day, this exact day. Yeah, I think so. I think it was like March 17th or something like that. I, I can't oh, remember. Oh, I, do uh, I don't know. I saw something on Twitter. Someone had his 2009, 2010 shirt and it was like, oh, Matt Sparrow signed on this day. You can tell we don't have a lot to talk about, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> But I will. I will now officially sign off. So thank you to Joe, Curtis and Cam for joining us this evening. I hope it hasn't been too dreary and too depressing for you, Albion obsessed listeners and watchers. Please don't forget to like and subscribe if you haven't already and share the content. Have a great evening, everyone. And we will see you later. Take it easy.